Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining me here on the Bare Bones Yoga Podcast, Conversations for Yoga Teachers. My name is Karen Fabian. I'm the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher and educator, and my goal here is to provide you, the yoga teacher, and other listeners with interesting, compelling content designed to pique your interest in teaching help you grow as a teacher, and support you on your path to sharing this wonderful practice with your students. I've been teaching for over 14 years, and through my classes, workshops, online courses, books, and other content, I focus on the anatomy of yoga and how teachers can learn this complex subject and present it to their students in an understandable way, all designed to help them bring more impact to their teaching. Even though we're not in the same room, I want you to envision for each episode that we've sat down for tea in a cozy coffee shop. Some days we'll talk about technical teaching topics, while some days we might have a teacher friend join in on the conversation, and other days we'll face some of the personal challenges that can come up when we take on the journey of being a teacher, knowing that the more authentic we can be, the more we can impact others. For more information about my products and programs and to contact me at any time, just visit my website at barebonesyoga.com. Let's get into today's episode. All right. So, hi, I am here with Sean Post and she is calling in from Portland, Oregon. So, hi, Sean. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for joining Thanks for me. me. Yes, of course. Of course. Thanks for taking the time to do this. So, um... Sean and I were talking before the call and I was telling her about this request I had put out to my Facebook group, the Bare Bones Yoga Anatomy Facebook group. And I was asking teachers um, if they could share a little bit about their teaching journey because I found in the past that this is a really good way to just get some topics out there for us to talk about as yoga teachers. And sometimes it just takes kind of the courage of a couple of teachers to be willing to kind of, you know, put put their thoughts out there. And then there's plenty of people that will kind of chime in and say, yes, I have that same challenge or, you know, that's a question I've had as well. So kudos to Sean. She's one of the first people that stepped up and said, yes, I would be happy to be on your podcast and talk about what's, what's going on with me. So why don't you start by telling us, well, we covered that you're in Portland and you had mentioned you recently moved there. So I'm guessing maybe you didn't do your training in Portland. Correct. So okay. I did my training in Lincoln, Nebraska. Oh, cool. Okay. And what, give me a sense of like the style of yoga that you're teaching. So my teacher training was definitely vinyasa based. So that is what I focus my classes on. Um, I know definitely for myself, I crave slower movement. Okay. These days. And so now I'm really interested in teaching restorative. So I just need to find a certification to do that. Got it. Training. To be able Got to it. Do that. But yeah, right now it's vinyasa. Okay. And when you um, were coming out of your training or when you went into your training, did you know for sure that you wanted to teach? I know sometimes people don't always know. Yes. Okay. I, I wanted to teach. Like I okay. went into teacher training knowing I was going to come out being a teacher. Got it. Now, do you have a full-time job right now and you teach on the side? Yes. So, um, I'm a dietitian full time. Oh, cool. And then, um, I just got on a sub list at a studio here in Portland. Okay. Got it. And how did you do that? Like, how did you navigate that kind of thing? Did you have a studio that you knew about and you just, 
So I tried a couple of studios. Um, and once I really felt like I was at home at a studio, um, I just talked to the owner and um, we just started chatting. And then, you know, eventually got brought up that I was a teacher and they said they were having an audition. And so then I auditioned a couple of weeks ago and yeah, starting with the sub list. Great. Now, how does that feel? Um, it feels really good. I think okay. it's a nice way to just like ease into it, like with being yeah. in a totally new city and then also having a full-time job. Right. Because when I was living in Chicago, um, like part of my, so I was like half dietitian, half fitness instructor. So okay. So I had a lot more time to teach yoga and teach cycling, whereas now it's just a lot different. Like my time just is not as open to do as much teaching um, as I would like. Got it. So you were teaching cycling before yes and then you took a you got your training uh as a yoga teacher and okay are you still doing the cycling part um i'm taking a break from cycling because okay. i just got really burnt out from it i mean i was mm -hmm. teaching uh, like one to three classes a day yep. for cycling. a day <laughs> so tired oh, wow. yeah and i feel like in that industry you're you're literally doing it with oh life. yeah like you're working i mean not as hard as them because i still i needed to be yeah. able to talk but yeah you're doing the workout yeah whereas yeah. yoga it's nice that like you know you'll demo some things but for sure it's like you're walking around the room and right yeah you're not doing it with them right right so how has that shift been for you to be um, a teacher that's not doing and to have yeah. to teach from another, I, I mean, like another way really, right? Because totally. I feel like oftentimes, like I have a person I follow on Instagram and she's a fitness instructor and I really, I really like following her, especially her Instagram stories to see like how she builds community and all that. But she is doing every single thing. And these are hard classes. Mm -hmm. And I, I was just thinking just the physical toll on yeah. the body, but also to create kind of that energetic um, container when you can't be like, come on, come on, come on, let's pick it up. You know, where it's not like yoga is really like that, but even just creating that energetic kind of container for people when you're not part of what they're doing. How has that shift been for you? Um, so I've really enjoyed not having to like do exactly what they're doing. And I yeah. felt like with my teacher training, they really nailed at home that like, we should not be on the mat doing what they're doing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I love that. I, yeah. I personally really like the, the way that I teach now with yoga and moving away from, yeah, being fully immersed into the workout because then like I can give more energy into the class. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it's almost like you're conserving your energy. Yeah. You can be there for them. I kind of think of it, you know, like when you get on the plane and they say, if you're traveling with a child, put your mask on first so that you can yeah. better assist your child. I, I feel like there's a lot of that, that as teachers, we have to manage in terms of like managing our own energy. Like before you get into the room, you have to make sure you're hydrated, you're fed, whatever, blah, 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 blah. You're mentally clear. So yeah. that you can go in and deal with whatever comes up. But if you go in and, you know, you're tapped out energetically, that absolutely affects how you teach. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. So, I mean, so, yeah, 
been nice not doing the cycling. Yeah. So that I just have like more mental space. Yeah. So tell me about, you know, I, I didn't actually realize this about your background, but this is just really good fodder for the conversation just in general. So, so teaching as you're doing, whether it's yoga or fitness or spinning, whatever it is, you're basically saying, watch me do what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm going to coach you along with whatever verbal cues are appropriate for what the person's doing. Um, and there are plenty of teachers that I work with who teach from doing almost 80 to 90% cause that's how they were taught. So it's really good to hear. And I don't subscribe to that philosophy. So it's really good to hear that you were encouraged in your training not to do that. Cause I think it really right out of the gate removes that potential crutch that teachers can have. Totally. Um, tell me about how you in your teaching for yoga since you're not doing it what kinds of things did you find yourself having to do that was different like you couldn't lean on your teaching you know skill set of just watch what i'm doing do what i'm doing mm -hmm. so what did you what were you doing then like you're up there you have no mat you can't be doing it you can't yeah. be teaching from watch me so what what did you start teaching from Totally. So, I mean, along with just like being in teacher training, but I um, also would practice a lot on my husband and oh, my sister. Yeah. And like, I would tell them like, I'm not going to do anything with you. I'm just going to say these things out loud. And if something <laughs> doesn't make sense, like tell me. So yeah. I feel like just getting the practice with them, yeah. um, figuring out how to be really like succinct with my cueing yes. was really good practice. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you know, what's nice then also about walking around the room is like, if you say a cue that like you think is really precise, but then you watch the student ah. and they're like, <laughs> they're not getting it. I supposed to be doing? And it's like, okay, I need to like back up and rethink like, yeah. what did I just say? Or like, how did like what I was thinking not translate into my words right. very effectively. Right. Um, so just with the practice, that's been really helpful. You know, and it's interesting that when you were teaching your sister and your husband, <laughs> you were saying to them like, so tell me if something's not making sense. And, you know, wouldn't that be nice if our students could do that? Totally, exactly. But they can't. So you're walking around and I always feel like I am having a conversation with myself right now. Oh yeah, oh <laughs> because, yeah. Because, you know, the dynamic is one way in terms of the verbal, but you're right on the money in that when you're not teaching, you're obviously saying and then looking and maybe saying it one more time because mm -hmm. you're seeing that it's not resonating with them yeah. on a physical level. Yeah. I mean, and there's definitely moments where like you might say a cue and they don't get it. And they like, like you said, you might say it again and it's still not happening. And then like in that moment, I just like, find a spot and I just show them the pose. It's like, this yeah. is actually what I meant to say. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could even just move on, right? right. Just, just move. I, I usually say to folks, say it once, try it one more time and then just move on to the next thing. Because yeah. At the, at the end of the day, unless they're like standing on their head or doing something that's potentially injurious, just, just move on to the next thing. There's plenty of other things you could do. Right. What do you have any, um, do you have any like memories of a particular instance where you said something and it didn't make sense or any kind of cues that you feel like you've had to adjust from what you learned because now you're out, you know, on the ground level sharing your teaching and I don't know anything that maybe doesn't. Yeah. 
Um, that's a really good question. I'm trying to rack my brain. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a drill down. So if yeah. it comes up and I'm just kind of, you know, sometimes, you know, certain words I find are not easily understood by large groups of people. And so I'm always trying to find like, what's the most boiled down, simple word to describe something, you know, things like press and squeeze and root and reach and totally. you know, those kinds of things are super clear and super understandable, regardless of if you're upside down or standing up or on your side, you yeah. know, a lot of the relationship to gravity can freak people out and can get in the way of them understanding because they're like, oh my God, I'm upside down. And what is she yeah. asking me to do? <laughs> Versus like I'm standing up and obviously it's easier. So I, I can hear better. <laughs> but once mm -hmm. you have me in down dog, even you could be saying a whole bunch of stuff to me and I'm just like struggling. So I really, I just hear words. <laughs> it's not really registering with me. Right. Totally. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of, I mean, I know like after teacher training, like, so I'm really interested in anatomy and I yes. was like, I want to know all the muscles. I want to be able to tell people all the muscles. Right. And it's like, you know, like you might try saying those things at the beginning or like in the beginning of teaching. And then when people are like, well, I don't know these muscles, like right. that's a good reminder that it's like, okay, we have to bring this back to like, what do most people know? So rather than saying like, um, yeah, engage your quadriceps. Like, yeah, exactly. like a lot of people aren't gonna totally pick up on that. So like, like what you just said, like squeeze or like, yeah feel the, I don't know, something like feel your upper leg. Yeah. Strengthen or whatever. Yeah. 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 No. And I think that's a great example because honestly, you know, even between flex and point, sometimes I watch their feet. I'm like, they don't even know what that is. Some people yeah. like, and you, you know, pointing the toe is pretty clear, but flexing the foot. Right. I like honestly think that, yeah, sometimes. And I totally agree with you about engage. Like engage is kind of in a gray area when it comes to actionable words. Totally. You know, kind of like two or three steps past squeeze, <laughs> yeah. you know? And even quadriceps. I mean, I've been in teacher trainings and I've said, where are your quadriceps? And it's not like people are jumping up saying, it's straighten your legs, it's straighten your leg, right? You know, or it's four parts or... So yeah, no, I hear you. I, I find that, um, you know, sometimes if you pair, you know, if you say squeeze your thigh to engage your quadriceps, yeah. right? You gave them the thing in the boiled down version and then they're doing the thing and then you sneak in the actual learning. Yeah. And then they're in the thing and they're hearing the learning and they're like, oh yeah, quadriceps, right. My leg is straight. I get it. That's you cool. I like, I like thinking about it that way. Yeah, because then, you know, I feel like there is so much opportunity for us as we learn anatomy, and especially if we like to share it, to share it. But you're right, if you lopsided it and you leave with the anatomy, you know, you're starting at a point where there's not a common ground for understanding. Right. So, but there are still those opportunities and it's not like you have to give them a dissertation about, and there's, did you know when you're engaging it, there's four heads and the lateral aspect is blah, 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 you know, and it's like, stop, right. you know, you just need to like slip a little in there. A little and, yeah. And then you can feel like, you know, you're giving them the, the learning. So um, in terms of, so you've been teaching for how long did you say? Um, about a year and a half. 
Okay. So do you have memories of like your first couple of weeks of teaching and how that felt? Like, did you feel yeah. like that was an easy transition for you from like, okay, I practiced. Okay. I went into training and now I'm teaching. I yeah, mean, you had I teaching experience as a, on the fitness end, but. Yes. So that was super helpful having, cause I think by the time I started my teacher training, I had been teaching cycling for about two years. So yeah. I felt comfortable like being up in front of people. Yeah. Um, but you, they were behind you, right? You're not facing them. Are you facing them in fitness? Uh -huh. In cycling, you're facing them. Oh, you were, but you're on the bike. Yes. And you're doing, so you can kind of sort of hide in that. You can kind right. of be like, I'm with you. I'm part of you. Right. Versus yeah, I'm standing exactly. up here, walking around, not doing what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah, totally. So that was definitely a big shift. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember my first class that I taught, I actually wasn't even done with my teacher training yet. I still have one month left. Um, yeah. And my manager at the gym I was teaching at just asked me to start teaching the yoga yeah. classes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely remember my first class. I was super nervous. I like yeah. was like, I need to come up with this amazing like Dharma talk. I brought a book in. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to remember what the flow was. I think I actually used um, a flow that I had gotten from my teacher training. So my teacher yeah. training gave us two different um, sequences. Sequences. So I yeah. just, I think I we had like a basic yeah. and like a master one, and I just used the basic one. Yeah, that's um, great. So that was super helpful to like already know like I practice this in my teacher training and yeah. like I'm just gonna give this to them yeah, yeah. So, I mean that was definitely nerve-wracking what I think I've come to realize is I really enjoy teaching just kind of like the average like the average Joe the average yeah. Jane like people who work long hours they like probably come to yoga once a week once a month um, right and so I like, I like that piece of it. So definitely in those first couple of weeks teaching at a gym, like that's what I really enjoyed was just teaching people who don't know much about yoga. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, in terms of like, so you, you, are you doing that at the gym still? No. So I'm going to be teaching at a studio. So it'll be okay, a little so different. Now is the studio teaching the one where you're on the sub list? Yes. Okay, great. Okay, got it. Yeah, and I think those environments can sometimes be a little different, you know, totally. in terms of like when you have a space dedicated to yoga. I mean, there's plenty of gyms that have great yoga classes and a right. nice space. I mean, you know, depending on the, the facility. Um, but I think there is something a little different about when you're in a space that's mm -hmm. just about yoga. So have you started doing that yet? Um, I'm subbing my first class in a couple of weeks. Okay. Got so, it. Okay, yeah, got this will be cool because this is actually the first time that I'll be teaching like in a yoga studio. Got it. I've mostly done gyms or like corporate yoga. Got it. Now, how does that feel? Um, like making the shift. Yeah, making like to be thing. like in an actual studio where. Yeah. And you're um, I'm excited. Like some, oh, sorry. Some nice class, you know, who's it's an existing class. Yeah. Um. So I. I mean, yeah. I'm excited to teach in a studio. Yeah. Just like, be in a new environment I think it'll be yeah. a really nice way to get out of my comfort zone and yeah. I think that's like really important to grow as a teacher yeah yeah do you feel like you're when you say comfort zone do you feel like you're kind of in a comfort zone stage right now where you're not really pushing yourself to kind of go past that a little bit 
Um, a little bit because definitely, I mean, I like, I don't want to give the impression that like teaching yoga at a gym always means beginner. Yeah. It's definitely a little bit of a different clientele as sure. well as corporate yoga. You know, most yeah. people aren't like getting on their hands and going upside down and right. doing, you know, a lot of the bendy poses. Whereas yeah. like, I feel like when you, like you said, go into a space that's totally dedicated to yoga, it's like, yeah how do I make sure now with these sequences that people always feel like those things are an option or it's like, right. if we have this one sort of middle ground pose, how can I, you know, convey to people that like, if you want to take it this step further, like, right. This is how you can do that. If you want to bring it down, this is how you can do it as well. Right. Right. So, um, yeah. And I think you're right. I mean, I think that in the gym, you're probably going to have maybe, folks that don't practice as regularly, maybe they're doing it as their once a week, quote unquote, stretching session. Yeah. But they don't have to like self do it. They can just go to somebody and have somebody walk them through it. And then they can be like, check, I did my stretching. Let me go back to the weightlifting or whatever else I'm doing. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about, because this is a common theme that definitely comes up for teachers. It's like, how do I teach a class with mixed levels of experience. So what, yeah. what do you, what comes up for you when you think about that? Um, so, I mean, definitely sometimes like if someone is way more, you know, whatever advanced, yeah. Yeah. I am, um, like they're doing, you know, a lot different poses than I might do in my regular practice. I mean, for yeah. me, I just want my classes to always feel accessible to yeah. anybody who comes in. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm trying to think like with corp, you know, when I was teaching corporate, it definitely wasn't as like the levels were mostly beginner to yeah. intermediate. So it was like, I knew going into that, like, this is how my sequences are going to be. But I think now that I'll have that added element of people who like literally practice yoga every single day, right. uh, or, you know, who are coming to the studio every day. It's like, I just need to keep in mind that I have to add that piece in there. And even though, like, if I'm not doing the same thing that they are, like, that's okay. I just have to remind right. myself, like, that's fine. Like, right. I'm, I'm here to provide options and to provide a class. Right. People can take out of it what they need. So let me give you, like, an a actual scenario and tell me what comes up for you when you hear this. So okay. let's say you go in and you teach, you're starting to teach and there are two people in the middle of the studio with people around them yeah. and they are pretty much doing every advanced variation of everything that you offer, including doing things that are not even things you're offering. Like they might be doing a headstand or a handstand or jump backs or I don't even know, whatever else. And you went in with a particular sequence in mind and these people are definitely not doing that. Yeah. Um, and it's not that they're being rude, but they're just definitely taking every advanced variation plus inserting other things. And they have beginners around them who are now definitely watching what they're doing and trying to do things like double bind. And so how would you handle that? Yeah. <laughs> That's a great question. This will happen um, to you. So we might as well just deal with right, it. Now. <laughs> exactly. I think if I were to take it back like a year and a half ago, I think there would probably be some like frustration of like, yeah. why are these people doing these things? You mean in um, your head, you'd be feeling that. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think my hope honestly would be that like, I would be at a point where I'm like building relationships with students yeah. that like 
I would have that comfort level to like talk to them about it and be like, but what are you going to do in the moment? They're, you're teaching. Oh. Yeah, you're teaching. It's happening. You're yeah. teaching and you came with your agenda and these people are not following the agenda, even yeah. though you're saying it. Um, so now, you know, you got this beginner guy. Now he's trying to double bind and you're in your head like, dude, you are not ready for double bind. Don't follow them. Don't look at what they're doing. Right. Totally. I mean, I think, yeah, there would definitely be the part of like reminding them that like this is your own practice yeah so you might say, yeah you might speak to a common theme right absolutely i mean there are plenty of times i'll see something and it's not like i want to go over to the person and be like excuse me you're right. not ready to double bind yet can you just stop you know but you might you might be triggered in your head like sure. oh there's a there's a higher theme here that i can throw out in the air yeah <laughs> and see if it like filters down on people and they might adjust so that's great you'd be like hey you know we're just here doing our own prep you know whatever how whatever kind of general way you can say it where it's not right. like people are feeling like you're picking on them right and i think maybe like another thing that just came to my mind is that like if someone is trying something where yeah it's like the beginners doing like the double bind and it's like oh no what are they doing yeah. Um, even like asking them a question, like, how does this feel? Like, if yeah, something that doesn't feel great in your body today, yes. like, you don't have to do it. Yes. It can come in a different, could come in a week, a month, a year. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that's a great instinct. I mean, I think, um, you know, and I love the way you phrase it, like, how does it? Cause I think there a lot of times teachers are inclined to kind of be like, you should be feeling a good stretch here. You know, right. it's like, who knows what people should be feeling? You could literally be stretching your hamstrings and it could feel like crap. So right. for us to say, you should be stretching your hamstrings here, even though anatomically speaking, yes, they are stretching in down dog. The degree of stretch, who knows? You know, there's so much variation in how it could feel to a person. So yeah, I feel like that, you know, how are you feeling in this pose or how, how, how do your shoulders feel as you take, you know, I don't know, for those of you that are double binding, just, or for all of us, let's think about how our shoulders are feeling here. The idea is to open the shoulders or blah, 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 blah. How does it feel? You know, I think that's a great reminder for people to keep them in their own experience. Right. Because what's happening there, if that's a literal scenario, is they're not in their own experience. They're watching, you know, the person next to them and just following what that person's doing, even though maybe there's some inner voice that's saying to them, I don't know, this just doesn't feel right to me, but there's somehow, you know, a need, whatever it's competition or just maybe nervousness, like, oh, are we supposed to be doing this? All right, maybe I should be doing this, right? Um, but your invitation to how does it feel keeps it centered on them, which is, which is such a great reminder. Yeah, totally. That it's their practice, their journey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I mean, I think the other thing too is, you know, just recognizing that obviously there's tons of variations in the people that come to our classes. And if we go in, we have to kind of think of the greater good. Like we're not here to meet the needs of like two people. If there's a class of 10 and those are the two people doing their own thing and doing everything to the nth degree. If we have a sequence, we're teaching the sequence. Totally. You know, if you want to do your own thing, do your own thing, you know? Um, but I have my own agenda and this is an agenda that's good for everybody. Totally.
Um, you know, so I, I hear what you're saying though about teaching in a way that gives people the option to, hey, if you'd like to do blah, 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 go ahead. You know, you can kind of say, say the standard, say the basic way. You know, yeah. if you'd like to lift your leg or take your arm behind your back, whatever, whatever. So when you were saying before you really like anatomy and you mentioned you were a dietitian, so you're kind of in that medical kind of arena, obviously married to a doctor. Um, so tell me about anatomy in terms of like the training that you have and kind of your basis of knowledge there. Do you feel like you've got this thing nailed and you're ready to kind of share it? What's, what's happening there? Yeah. So I was actually also an exercise science major in college, oh, but yeah. I didn't like, I, I don't know. I think there was, I just had this like overachieving aspect in my yeah. life. It was like, I want to have two majors, but I knew right. at the time I was like, I want to focus on nutrition. And right. I mean, I took anatomy in college, but I took it my sophomore year, which was really early yeah. compared to most people. And so I feel like at that time, like you're just so, so ingrained in all of your work that it's like, do you really actually retain anything? Yeah. Um, so sometimes I feel like my movement classes, I just didn't retain as much information as I would have liked. And so now I feel like I'm just in this stage of like trying to relearn a lot of the information, yeah. um, it is helpful that I have like some sort of foundation, yeah. but I like, yeah, I don't have the greatest amount of confidence when it comes to teaching anatomy. Yeah. I think what also has been going through my mind lately, so I've gone to a couple of anatomy workshops here in Portland, um, yeah. a teacher who's amazing, but she, or, I mean, even like her workshops or other anatomy workshops I've been to, or like the anatomy teacher I had in my teacher training. Yep. Um, like what I feel like the common theme is always is that everybody's body is different. Yeah. And I think sometimes I get nervous about like teaching an anatomy aspect if it doesn't like fit everybody's body. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think the everybody's body is different has to be kind of coupled with we all have the same parts. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right. So it's not like you have quads and I don't, or yeah. I have femur and you don't. I think that the, the infrastructure I mean, you know, save any kind of clinical or congenital issue, the infrastructure is the same. Yeah. I think the variables that are overlaid on the infrastructure of the body are so many. Yeah. That I think Absolutely. the movement of the body is always unique to the person because of a host of different things. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that that's, you know, but I mean, literally it's like I was saying before we're in down dog, we're stretching our hamstrings. You are, I am the muscle guy is the super bendy ballet girl. You know, everybody is stretching their hamstrings, but degree of stretch is very different. Mm -hmm. How it feels is very different. Um, the ability of the muscle to stretch is very different, you yeah. know? So there's a bunch of different things that make it unique to that person. Totally. Um, so when you're saying, so, so you have this kind of foundation, although you're not super confident. So how, when you're teaching, how does that like, okay, so I'm out here, I'm teaching this movement practice. I, you right. know, anatomy is part of it. Totally. <laughs> but I'm not really confident in sharing that. So how does that, how do you kind of work with that? I feel like the way that I work with it is in how I prepare my sequences. 
Ah. That, like, I want my sequences to make sense with the movement. So it's like, yeah. even if I'm not, like, even if I don't feel confident enough to, like, say, like, the movements or, like, give a huge anatomy picture to it, like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, what I'm doing is making sense in someone's, or, like, what I feel like makes sense. Yep with how the body moves and it's in a way that hopefully feels natural and like not forced. Got it. Okay. So that's like, I do a lot of like background, like research to prepare a sequence, but I don't always bring in like all the anatomy stuff yeah. into it. Cause it's like, I just don't, yeah, it's scary. Sometimes yeah. 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 So it sounds like you kind of have this self-awareness that there's a gap right? Yeah. There's a knowledge gap. So sure. you're kind of trying to fill that gap in with like building a sequence that you can speak to at the level of movement without yeah. having to go to the sub-level of anatomy because yeah. you have the self-awareness. Totally. Right. Which is fantastic. I think the bigger issue is if you don't have the self-awareness, but you're still saying the things anyway, yeah. and you know what you're saying you have no idea what you're saying. And so that happens too. So that's not good. I wouldn't recommend that. So I think that the having the self-awareness that there is a gap and being kind of in integrity and responsible about, okay, so I have that knowledge gap, but there is stuff that I do know, which is like how to build a sequence. And I'm going to speak to it on the level. This is what I'm hearing you say. I'm going to speak to yeah. it on the level of the movement, right? Totally. And so now you feel like you're in a zone where you're in integrity, you have knowledge, you have, you know, good knowledge about, okay, so there, you know, reach your arm up or turn your upper body or twist from your shoulder, you know, or press your heel down, right? Or put your knee over your heel, um, hug in your core. Any of those things are kind of, are those kind of where you're, you're kind of staying in that zone. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And so that, you know, when I think about, a framework for cues that I teach, there's action, alignment, anatomy, and feeling, mm -hmm. right? And so when you kind of look at that as a cues framework, you know, and I always suggest to people, as you're building your anatomy knowledge, stay in the action alignment zone because you know the shape of the pose, which is the alignment, because you got the training, you know what the poses are, you know what the shape is, right? If I show you a triangle, if I show you a square, if I show you a forward fold, if I show you a you know, a shoulder, you know, the shape and you know, the action because you do it on the mat yourself and you know, press, squeeze, root, reach, twist, lean to the side, stack your shoulder over your wrist. You know, you know that. So you're kind of in that zone and then you build your anatomy knowledge and then you can start to add in like another layer, add in, you know, the action, the alignment, add an anatomy, you know, or maybe just lead with the anatomy. You know, so, so tell me, um, now that, you know, like, so you have this self-awareness, you know, there's a gap, you're kind of, you know, building these sequences with focus on alignment and anatomy as your cues kind of framework. Um, so then what do you do to build that knowledge? Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely you mentioned like research. What? You mentioned research. research. Yeah. So, I mean, I do have a couple of anatomy books. Um, yeah. I love Long. His books yeah. are so, like colorful and I yeah. love the he uses. Um, I'm trying to remember what the, so there's another one. I'm looking at the book right now. It's called Yoga Anatomy by Leslie. Yeah. 
I can't yeah. remember her last name. Camino. Camino. Yeah. But That's I like Sky, by the way. Okay. But I like how um so you know, she like break or they break down the poses. Yeah. Yeah. Like the movements or like this body part is doing this. And yeah. I like how they have highlighted like they yeah. highlight the actual muscles on the body. On the so yeah, in the pose. helpful to use. And Absolutely. then and then there's another book I have called Yoga Sequencing, and they break down, or they have every pose, and then they yeah. talk about poses that help build up to it, and poses that would counter it. So it's like, along with like all three of those things, it's like figuring out like, okay, like how does all of this make sense in a really functional <laughs> way? So I would say that's like a lot of the research I would do ahead of time. Yeah. Um, and then like, just to keep building on it, finding anatomy workshops because I mean that's like my biggest interest so it's like I want to keep building on that yeah um and then just whenever I can find some sort of like continuing education online or yeah reading something yeah so it's a lot of work it's a ton of work and it's trying to like because you have to use it to remember it and yeah. so it's like how do I, like these two anatomy workshops that I went to, I went to one on the knee and one on the hip. So it's like, how do I take all of this information that I just use and start putting it into a class so I can retain the information? So how do you do that? Um, I haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, I think that's one of the challenges that teachers face exactly what you're describing is that they come out of training, they realize there's a gap, and then all of a sudden they have this whole job of like mm -hmm. trying to fill that gap in by becoming like professional online researchers and like book studiers. And then they have the additional and workshop goers. And then they have the additional, okay, so now I've spent the time online. I've read all these books. I've gone to these workshops. And now how am I supposed to actually communicate this to students? So I definitely feel like, um, I definitely feel like that is something where there is a, another gap, another oh, gap. Okay. So let me just wrap up here by asking you just to kind of like, we're, we're kind of like in the weeds here a little bit, which is yeah. great, but I want you to kind of step out of like the weeds and just like imagine yourself, your most like impactful teacher. Mm -hmm. What would you be doing? What would that look like? And how would you feel? Cool. Like when you say, what would you be doing like in a class? Yeah. I don't know. Not so much the sequence, but like you figured it all out. Yeah. You've got more experience, whatever that magical time frame is. Totally. So now what does that look like? And how are you feeling? Yeah. When you're doing that thing. Like, are yeah. you teaching in a retreat? Are you like, oh, now I'm working with, you know, um, people with physical challenges, or I've, I've got this like online coaching program for dietitian yeah. or nutrition support. And I'm also teaching like, what is that? What's what's the, what's the vision here? Yeah. So like, I, sometimes I feel like my, like one of my ultimate goals is to just be doing a lot of private lessons. Yeah. Okay. Um, to like help people like recognize, or I don't know, recognize isn't the right word, but like, you know, you go to a vinyasa class and like, we're all taught these like very 
sort of like what I, you know, I know people will disagree with me on this, like rigid alignment cues, like warrior yeah. two, heel to arch alignment. But it's like, right. that doesn't feel good for every person, but it's right. like, I can't, I can't examine every single person if there's 20 people in my class. Sure, sure. So like my goal or like my hope would to be able to do more private lessons. Yeah. Um, more private coaching with people where it's like, I can help people like break down their poses to figure yeah. out like what feels good in your body. Like, okay, like let's, let's play around with warrior two. Let's play around with triangle. And like, like this is what the pose said, or like, this is what we're taught the pose is supposed to be. But like, how do you feel right now? Like yep. what if we move your foot a little bit closer to you? What if we move your heel out? What if we lift you up higher? Like, what do you notice what comes up for you um, right. and then it's like people can take those things into a vinyasa class to where they can feel really empowered and like they're doing something that feels really good for them yeah so um, when you're doing all of that how how are you feeling doing that um i like so if that was like what i was doing i think i would feel really fulfilled yeah um and hopefully confident in what i'm doing and yeah like just helping people to create a practice that's like just theirs. Yeah. Yeah. I and think you I have like that anatomy piece filled in. Like let's yeah. assume like, you have all like now you've like you've got the knowledge, you've translated it into actionable things for them. Yeah. So you're feeling like tell me like the word. Yeah. And confident I think fulfilled. Yeah, confident and fulfilled. Because yeah. I think it's like um you know, seeing people like have that moment of where they like hit pose a certain way and they're like, this feels really, really good. Yeah. The light bulb, the light bulb, yeah, goes the light bulb. And like that just, I think would be really, yeah. Gratifying, fulfilling. Yeah. And just, it is like the, it is like the perfect blend of like being of service and then also literally doing a service, you know, yeah. there's like a, a very compassionate of service component. And additionally it, it has a, career kind of employment type job kind of sense to it too because it's like it's your job it's what you're doing you're not just doing it pro bono just doing it you're doing what you love the light bulb's going off for them right. you know, you're earning a living you're supporting yourself it's like this beautiful you're being of service you're giving space to them it's a beautiful blend of all these things so yeah, yeah so so confident fulfilled yeah yeah that's great that's yeah. great um and i think i always like to ask people that because sometimes i feel like it's easy to get in the weeds and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, this isn't working. Like what's happening? I'm frustrated. And it's like yeah. to have some connection, almost like a vision board. Like you've got like that vision out there for how you want to feel and what you want to, how you ultimately see this going. And it maybe changes 10 times over, but totally. But for right now, that's kind of in your mind and yeah. something great to have kind of to work towards or to kind of start to build even in small ways. Right. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you so much for spending time with me today. I know this is going to be a really helpful episode. Like it went in a bunch of different directions that I didn't anticipate, which is perfect because just having these conversations, things come up and it's just, it's so great. I really, really um, appreciate your taking the time and putting it out there. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I have this episode up and posted, I'll email it to you and then you can share it with your friends and family. Cool. Well, thanks so much for having me, Karen. Yes, I of course. love listening to your podcast. Oh, I'm right. Yeah. And 
so helpful with like the anatomy oh, and my favorite episode that you did was the um the identity of a yoga teacher ah yeah like learning you know it's like you talk about how like yeah you'll go to a teacher but it's like how or you know you might have this like amazing experience with the teacher but it's like how do you bring it back to where it's just you yeah so that you come off authentic yeah awesome that's so great i'm so glad yeah i forgot to ask you in the beginning i'm, I'm psyched that you found it how did you find it the podcast um, I mean, I've been following, so, I mean, with living in Boston, I think somehow oh, I came across yeah. Instagram. Yeah. That's right. You used to be out here. Oh yeah. That's great. And you're in the anatomy work group, obviously. Yes. Right? That's right. Okay. Yep. Perfect. So we'll be able to stay in touch that way as well. Totally. All right. Well, best of luck to you. I know you're, you're just out there rocking it. So just keep up the good work and I, I'm sure we'll be in touch again. Sounds good. Thanks okay. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye.